This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, why your local pharmacist may fill prescriptions as fast as they can. What the corporate expectations are for number of prescriptions dispensed, number of vaccines administered, some pharmacies that use those metrics for bonuses or performance review. All that and more when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. It was a disaster on so many levels, a meteorological disaster, a political disaster, a response disaster. The fury of powerful hurricanes. Then, Every Kickstarter project is like on its own too small for these big businesses to care about. But it ends up that collectively we can make a lot of noise. The benefits of crowdfunding online. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen to shows anytime on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. At today's big chain supermarket or drugstore, the busiest employee probably isn't the hassled checker or stock clerk. Often, it's the pharmacist. Last year, American pharmacies filled more than 3.7 billion retail prescriptions. And as the number continues to go up, the more frazzled your pharmacist is likely to feel. Experts are worried that it's causing mistakes. Well, we certainly do at ISMP receive reports in our various error reporting programs from both practitioners and consumers about concerns of workload, pressures, and the potential risk those pose to patient safety and risk for medication errors. That's pharmacist Michael Gaunt, medication safety analyst and editor at the Institute for Safe Medication Practices. It is a valid thing that, that pharmacies need to be looking at and coming up with ways to try to minimize those pressures. Some are volume-related, some are these days COVID-19-related pressures that all can increase risk of distraction and potential medication errors. Nobody's really sure how often errors occur in the dispensing of prescription drugs. Many mistakes are never reported, but when they do occur, the blame often goes to the lack of time pharmacists have to be careful. Some pharmacists have written to their state regulatory board saying they themselves are a danger to the public in having to work so fast, according to documents unearthed by the New York Times. The 2019 Pharmacy Workforce Center survey finds that the workload's increasing for the vast majority of pharmacists, to the point that nearly three-quarters of them say the workload is high or excessively high. Gaunt says the shifts can be long, and the public has no idea just how much pharmacists have to do along with filling your prescription. The length of shifts varies depending on the pharmacy. You know, if it's from chain to chain, grocery store to grocery store, independent to independent. So I think there are folks who are working 12-hour shifts, and there are some that are working shorter. There are a lot more things that pharmacists and pharmacy staff have to do beyond just filling prescriptions and counting out tablets or capsules, getting, or we say adjudicating the prescription. So working, communicating information to insurance companies to make sure, to check to see if things are covered and what that copays are, 
Some things require prior authorization, which pharmacists may not find out until during the dispensing process. All those types of calls to insurance companies take time. Gaunt says your pharmacist also follows up with patients to help manage the medication therapies they're on. They're actually making calls to patients during the day to see how they're doing, you know, how they're able to be adherent or unable to be adherent to their medication regimen, trying to identify potential problems that patients may be experiencing with their medication and trying to then work with the patients or physicians to rectify those problems and solve those problems. And then there are vaccines. We're not far off from the beginning of the busy season for that, when flu shots occupy a lot more of pharmacists' time. Come this fall, it's likely to be even busier with COVID and the recommendations to make sure you get flu shots. And obviously, eventually, if a COVID vaccine comes to market this year, those also add to the time pharmacists spend as far as part of their day and their workload. And then just in the pharmacy, at the end of the dispensing process, being available to consumers in the stores at the counters to actually hopefully be able to provide counseling and have time to actually do that face-to-face counseling at the time folks are in the store. So there is a lot going on behind the counter, some of which is visible, readily visible to you customers or consumers and other things that are not. Pharmacists are often under a great deal of pressure to do more of all of those things, but they feel it more in some pharmacies than others. Among pharmacists who work at chain drug stores, 91% say their workload is high or excessively high, according to the Pharmacy Workforce Center survey. 70% of retail prescriptions in the United States are filled at chain drug stores, supermarkets, and big box retailers. CVS and Walgreens alone account for about 50%. I think there are pressures all over the board for everybody. But certainly we have heard and have had feedback and reports to our reporting program about concerns from some of those larger national operations when it comes to what the corporate expectations are for number of prescriptions dispensed, number of vaccines administered, number of calls made to patients for that disease state management or medication therapy management. So, I mean, there are metrics, and we certainly have heard from pharmacists concerns about that. And some pharmacies that use those metrics for maybe for bonuses or performance review, things like that. So there are, like I said, we have heard and have seen reports of pharmacists citing, you know, some of the use of those metrics, adding additional pressure to their day, making them feel less safe as they try to meet those different metrics. Productivity is obviously important to profitability, especially now. Pharmacies are being squeezed by middlemen, the pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs, who administer medication payments for insurers. Fees that pharmacies have to pay PBMs have gone up dramatically, but Gaunt says pharmacies are often unreimbursed for much of what they do besides selling pills. There have been pushes to try to revamp how pharmacists is reimbursed for their services from a um, right now, it's largely product-based dispensing, and we're not pharmacists in general, not recognized for insurance purposes as providers necessarily. So, so I mean, there certainly are pressures and cost-related issues going on. Certainly, the reimbursement is an issue, or the reimbursement model, as pharmacy tries to evolve to be more engaged with patients and you know helping them to take their medications more effectively and be 
be able to spend the time doing that as opposed to being solely concerned about how much they're reimbursed on a specific drug. Pharmacies have plenty of procedures to avoid mistakes, but it really starts with your doctor. The first step is prescribing medication with an electronic prescription rather than a handwritten script. So that's really helped eliminate some of the older types of errors we would receive at ISMP with respect to handwriting issues and things like that. But within the pharmacy, they have a lot of checks and balances in place to try to intercept errors before they reach the patient. So again, some of those are technologically based, like barcode scanning. You know, they'll scan the manufacturer bottle barcodes to make sure it matches to what's been entered from the prescription into the pharmacy system. You know, the pharmacists are already doing independent checks of the piece of information that are entered in the computer system, either by the technician or maybe by a different pharmacist. There's a second set of eyes looking at the directions that have been typed in. Pharmacies also use technologies to flag possible drug interactions between a new prescription and medications a patient is already taking. But Gaunt says the final step for a pharmacist is decidedly old-fashioned and needs to stay that way. At the end of the process, really, one of the other things is counseling. And, you know, I think it's an opportunity that's not probably taken advantage of nearly as often as they could, in part because of the pressures we've already talked about. But having that face-to-face interaction with patients and consumers at the end and making sure things are correct and meeting what they've heard from the physician and their prescriber is another critical step pharmacies can take advantage of. Consumers have a role in preventing mistakes at the pharmacy, too. Especially if you're a new patient, let the pharmacy know what other medications you're on and what allergies you have. And be sure to do a double check of your prescription when it's handed to you at the counter. Take the time there. And I know even as a pharmacist, I feel pressure to move away from the counter because there are people queued, more customers queued. But take the time there to... Open the bag that you've been given, take out the bottles of medication, look at the labels, make sure it's your name, the drug you're expecting, the strength you're expecting, and even open the bottle and take a look at what's contained in the prescription vial. Make sure it looks the same as what you're expecting. We've all had experiences where a pharmacy gets in a different generic of the same drug, so different from a different manufacturer. So the tablets can look different, and rightfully so. But I think sometimes it can't happen so often. Patients get lulled in the sense of security that or make the assumption that if something looks different, it must be another generic. But when you're at the counter and you're looking, you have the opportunity to actually ask the technician or the pharmacist to double check. And if your concerns aren't satisfied, Gaunt says don't give it up. Consumers can see how busy the pharmacy is, but they still deserve answers. We certainly do get reports from consumers talking about their perception of how busy the pharmacy is. And the other piece is they tell us how disappointing some of their interactions are with pharmacy staff when they identify a potential issue or a potential error. So we do a lot of work in our variety of things to try to encourage pharmacies and pharmacy staff to really take the time and focus it on the patient to investigate those potential errors. I think from a consumer standpoint, it's just really trying to have that tenacity if you think that there's something wrong 
to really try to make sure you get a satisfactory answer. The lack of time pharmacists have is a systemic problem that they pay for in workload and job pressures. But that doesn't mean patients should have to pay, potentially, with their lives. You can find out more about the Institute for Safe Medication Practices and all of our guests through our website, RadioHealthJournal.org. I'm Reed Pence. Research shows that for people seeking health benefits from food, weight loss tops the list, and every year, 45 million Americans go on a diet. Registered dietitian Courtney Romano, health advisor for the California Table Grape Commission, has some grape tips. Maintaining a healthy weight is important for good health. A first step is to find ways to eat more fruits and vegetables every day. For example, juicy sweet grapes are a tasty choice without the added fat, salt, sugar, and calories found in many processed snacks. Keep a bowl of grapes handy for any time snacking and freeze grapes for a tasty, cool treat. Grapes from California are in season now. A three-quarter cup serving has just 90 calories, no fat, and no cholesterol. Grapes are a natural source of beneficial antioxidants and other polyphenols. Visit grapesfromcalifornia.com to learn more. Nearly 18 million people in the United States have atopic dermatitis, also known as eczema. Eczema can happen almost anywhere on the skin, including the face, neck, and arms. But it can appear differently for everyone. Mom, author, singer, and fashion designer Jessica Simpson talks about her mild to moderate eczema for the first time. As a kid, I first noticed eczema on the back of my arms and legs. I would cover up my skin because I felt self-conscious any time I was experiencing an eczema flare. I've tried to manage my eczema over the years with various over-the-counter lotions and creams, but it got much worse during my last pregnancy. As a busy working mom of three, I don't always have time to focus on my eczema, so I finally talked to my doctor and was prescribed Eucrisa. I'm happy to say that my eczema improves when I use it. I truly encourage patients and caregivers to have the eczema conversation and talk to their doctor about potential treatment options that may be right for them. Jessica has been using Eucrisa Crisoboral Ointment 2%, the first and only 100% steroid-free prescription ointment for the treatment of mild to moderate eczema in patients as young as three months old. Eucrisa works both at and below the skin surface to treat eczema. The specific way Eucrisa works is not well-defined. Prescription Eucrisa is for topical use only in patients three months of age and older. Do not use Eucrisa if you are allergic to Crisoboral or any of the ingredients in Eucrisa. Allergic reactions may occur at or near the application site. These can be serious and may include hives, itching, swelling, and redness. The most common side effect is application site pain, such as burning or stinging. Eucrisa is for use on skin, topical use only. Do not use Eucrisa in your eyes, mouth, or vagina. Ask your doctor about Eucrisa. Learn more at Eucrisa.com or by calling 1-866-Eucrisa. Again, that's E-U-C-R-I-S-A dot com. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal... 
It's continuing to be a challenge, especially for scheduling. And of course, everyone wants a stay-at-home buddy. And it's taking longer than usual to adopt from us. But we're doing our best. Why more people are getting a pet in the pandemic. Then the questions kids ask about COVID. How long is this going to go on? I'm afraid I'm never going to see my friends again. Are you going to die, Grandpa? Or is my friend going to die? Am I going to die? They ask that question. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.